Well, we are still in uh, basically a sermon series that's asking us to take a look at how we live in the ordinary times, right? When nothing big is happening, like this time of the church year, what is it we're doing to follow Jesus? How are we living as extraordinary disciples in the ordinary times? And so today we are reading from the Gospel of Mark. We are looking at chapter 9, verses 33 to 37. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, Jesus, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another, who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all, and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. It seems these days there is an awful lot of talk about goats. Now, I don't mean this kind of goat. Now, I know some of you weren't paying attention and you probably want to see that quick clip one more time. Now you know why Jesus separated the sheep from the goats. I'm actually talking about this kind of goat, the greatest of all time. Now, how many times have you heard people argue about whether Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player of all time, or Michael Jordan, he's the greatest basketball player of all time, or maybe Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever? And, and the debates go on. Was Shakespeare the greatest writer of all time? Was Einstein the greatest scientist of all time? We human beings, we like to figure out who's the greatest. Who's the most important? Who's contributed the most? So it shouldn't surprise us that 2,000 years ago, Jesus' 12 disciples were having a conversation about goats, about which of them was the greatest disciple of all time. You can kind of imagine what that conversation might have gone like. You know, so Matthew says, well, you know, me, I was a tax collector. I was a sinner, and now look how far I've come. I mean, I have made such progress as a disciple following Jesus closely. I am really the greatest of all of us. And then James and John are like, hey, hey, 
Don't you forget, he called us first. We left everything behind to follow him. You know, it says something that he called us first. And then, of course, Peter, he's like, oh, yeah, right. You want to talk about greatness? Which ones of you got out of the boat and walked on the water? Telling you Jesus needs something done. He comes to me, Peter. You can imagine that this conversation just goes on and each one of them is trying to say, you know, well, look at me. When, of course, all of us are given certain gifts and graces by God to use on behalf of the kingdom and God needs every part of the body to do its job for the kingdom to be whole. We're told that all of us have gifts and graces and we are not whole without all of them. But still, we human beings want to rank order. Now, I call this the sin of comparison. Or sometimes I'll say the sin of comparatives, greater than, less than, more than. Which means that we as human beings, we're always trying to uh, look at other people and figure out how we're doing. Oh, well, you know, I get better grades than so-and-so. Or, well, you know, clearly my car is better. Or I do more around the church than so-and-so. Or sometimes we do it to make ourselves feel bad. Oh, I'm just not as good as Patty. Patty's the lay leader. And what do I do? I don't do, oh... You know, we do this all the time. We're always trying to rank order where we stand among other people. And so when they finally get to where they're going, Capernaum, Jesus, who was probably like kind of walking behind them and listening to the whole thing, right? He wasn't like driving in a separate car down the road and missed it. He was right there with them. And he's like, what were you all talking about? As if he didn't know. Now they're silent because they know it's not a conversation they should have been having. They know that what they were talking about, which one of us is the greatest, was not something that Jesus would be teaching them. And so Jesus does this strange thing. He says, hey, child, come over here a minute. Now, of course, in the ancient world, men didn't hold children, so that in itself is a weird enough action. And often when we see this story of Jesus holding the child, we think, well, this is about humility. We're supposed to be humble. Well, I know a lot of kids who aren't that humble. You know what I'm saying? The kids will say, well, my daddy's stronger than your daddy. My, my granny, my bindi, has a better job than your granny or bindi. I mean, kids do that all the time, right? Look at my shoes. I got special shoes. So I'm not sure that Jesus is actually trying to say this is about humility. And you say, well, kids are innocent. Yeah, well, in some ways kids are innocent. In other ways, kids are a handful, and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing all the time. Here's what Jesus probably means. Children are dependent on the caregiver or the parent. Children, while they may run around wild here and there, they can't get their own food, they can't get their own clothing, they can't get their own place to live. 
children feel safe and secure when they are around that caregiver. And most of the time, children are going to kind of keep an eye on that parent, that caregiver. If they're in the airport or whatever, sometimes the kid's off running around, but usually they want to know where their parents or caregivers are. They know that they are dependent. You and I, we forget. We forget that we would be lost without Jesus Christ in our life. We forget that the life that we have and the fullness of that life comes only in and through Jesus Christ and our dependence upon God. It's easy in our world at times to assume I can do this thing called life on my own. I know, ooh, I got the job, I'm ready to go. We think if we have money and some people, we're good to go, but the truth is... We all know sooner or later we are going to turn our eyes and depend upon and cry out to Jesus. Kids know that they can't do this on their own, and Jesus is trying to say to the disciples, every one of you, you need to keep your eye on me because Jesus is actually the goat, the greatest of all time. He's the only human being without sin. He's the only perfect one to ever watch, walk on this earth. And if we want to live a life worthy of God, if we want to be disciples, if we want to find our way into that abundant life that God promises, then there's only one way, and that's keeping our eye turned to Jesus. Now, there's a second thing here in this passage, and that is so often in the Bible, there are what I will call gaps. It says, then they came to Capernaum, or then they got to Jerusalem. And the then is saying, there's a lot of dead time in here where they were just walking along the road, and if the gospel writers actually wrote down everything that was going on, we would never read uh, the Gospels at all because it would say they were on the road and then they took a little right turn and, and then they had some ditches and Peter almost tripped and Andrew grabbed him. And you know, it would be all the mundane things. And you and I would be like, uh, Matthew, what's the point here? Right, because what we get are the stories of the highs and the stories of the lows. We don't get many of those stories of the ordinary times of life when they're just doing ordinary things. And it raises for us the question, how are we keeping our eye on Jesus in the ordinary times? So it's really easy when great things are happening, you know, you're thanking Jesus and you're excited, or when you're in one of those valleys of life and you know you need Jesus and you're praying, real easy then to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. But what happens in most of our life, the, and then they went to work, and then they went home. 
What happens? How are we keeping our eyes on Jesus in those ordinary times? Or are we like the disciples who get on the road, even though Jesus is right there with them, and they start looking at themselves and arguing who's the greatest? You see, it's those ordinary times when we remember Jesus is right there on the road with us that are that really is the mark of our discipleship. You want to know how you're doing as a disciple? Look at the ordinary times. Do you have your eye on Jesus when you're in the office doing routine tasks? Do you have your eye on Jesus when you're chopping up some carrots at home for dinner? Do you have your eye on Jesus when you're driving in your car? You know, it. It, when, when Paul says, pray without ceasing, he doesn't mean you got your eyes closed. And he means that you're looking at Jesus all the time in the world. And you're basically saying, Jesus, show me what I need to do. Show me who I need to be in this moment. Because it's the small things, the ordinary things, that are really the mark of being a disciple some of you may have seen this viral video this week. Young airman at Tinker, who was driving along on one of these 100-degree scorching days, and he saw an elderly woman dragging all her groceries and walking along the street. And he pulled over, and he said, would you like a ride? And she's like, yes. And someone in another car was videotaping the whole thing. And he helped her get the groceries in the car and drove her home. And basically she said, yeah, this was my last stop. I've been running a lot of errands. No one stopped to ask me for a ride or to offer a ride except for you. Now, it's a viral video, but if we were all really following Jesus, that would be such a normal kind of thing, these sorts of small acts of kindness and generosity toward others, that it would never be news. We, as disciples of Jesus Christ, need to remind ourselves again and again that the mark of greatness is how we are living our lives in the smallest, most ordinary times and places and whether we are paying attention to the way that Jesus would ask us to act in that ordinary time. So, Jesus gives us the example of what true greatness is, and he tells us, keep your eye on me. Remember to depend on me all the time. And if you do, you will find the kind of greatness, the kind of life that God offers. In the name of the Father and the Son and the